There's, there's been a few times, well, more, more than a few times I get things wrong, and, and I think it's very important that, that I be forthright when I do. And this is also not, and I appreciate the church working through with me for the last five and a half years on this. This is not a self-deprecating pity party. But I have on occasion uh, mentioned that um, work is the result of the fall. And that is incorrect. And I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. I even joked that work is a four-letter word and, you know, things like that and made these such a comments kind of loosely, not that I've sat up here and taught them as doctrine, but I, I do want to correct that. Uh, work is ordained by God. Amen. God worked to create the world. So he did that and gave us an example of what it means to work. He also gave us an example of what it means to rest, something few of us actually follow. And God instituted work to man in Genesis 1. I'll read just a few verses. We're going to cover a lot of ground tonight, so you may have a hard time uh, keeping up, but you can try or listen or take, jot down some, some things as I call them out. Genesis 1 and 28 and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave us a duty to have dominion and subdue the earth. Now those old English words sound very harsh to us today because we either don't understand them or don't use them properly. That doesn't mean that we are to abuse something or take advantage of it, but it means we are to mix our labor with it and produce something better. And God told, all, told us this before the fall. This is before sin entered the world. God gave us something to do. In Genesis 2.15, he tells us again, And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. Again, before the fall. So we see this over and over again, that we should work and that there are times that we rest. We see the example that God made. And I've mentioned this even recently. Could God have uh, done this quicker than six days creation? Well, of course. Could he have taken longer? Yes. Did he rest because he had to? No. It was an example. So God has given us an example that we should work. We see this all throughout Scripture. Let me call a few verses here. Psalm 90 and 17. Psalm 90 and 17 says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hand for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Proverbs 13 and 4 says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. We are encouraged not to be lazy because when we begin to be lazy, we're never satisfied with our laziness, if you will. Perhaps you know someone like that or you've had that experience in your own life. We are warned in Ephesians 4.28, Ephesians 4.28, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, Ephesians was written to believers, a community of believers. Can you imagine? Hopefully we don't have anybody in this church who's stealing. But the idea present there is that we must produce something. We must work, do something with our hands. Why? So we can share it with someone else who is in need. It's appropriate for us to work. 
Now, I said I was apologizing because I may have incorrectly said this a few times. What I probably was intending to say a few times is that what happened after the fall is work and labor became toil. It became hard. It became challenging. It became something we did through the sweat of our brow. In fact, the earth was cursed because of us, and the earth fights against us to produce things. We've talked a few times this week about growing things, about farming and trying to grow other things. And, and the earth almost works against us in some cases because of the fall. And so we, we toil, we work, it's challenging, it's difficult, it is exhausting, and sometimes the outcomes are uncertain. And just in case I'm not clear, I'm not just talking about the farmers. I'm talking about the teachers. That's exhausting. I'm talking about those who try and keep the books. It's maddening. I'm talking about those who try to keep up properties. It never ends, all hours of the days and nights. I'm talking about those who can't be in church because they're policing or making food or something. There is all manner of work that keeps us busy. It happens all the time. It's uncertain in the outcomes, and we don't always get what we want out of it. And it is something that we toil and do, but it is something we are supposed to do, I think. But there are limits to our earthly work, and that's really where I want to spend some time tonight. There are limits to what we do with our earthly work. Thus far in the last few nights, we've talked about the difference between the bodily and the spiritual, and I want to talk about that today when we talk about work. Perhaps someone who worked harder than most of us is Solomon. You can read the account of his work in Ecclesiastes, where he comes to many conclusions about all that he did. But Ecclesiastes 2 and 1 says, Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Solomon poured his life into numerous things to see what would satisfy him. And one of those things was work. He worked and he worked and he worked. And he was very wealthy, very successful. He had, and he lists some of the accomplishments that he had. And we see other places in the scripture that talk about Solomon and all that he had. And he had great wealth and great, uh, great things. And people would come from all over the world to behold the things that he had and say, I hadn't heard the half of it. And he looks at all this and says, well, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It all goes away. Some people pass and don't leave much. Some people pass and leave a lot. But everyone passes and leaves everything. There's nothing you're taking with you. Absolutely nothing you're taking with you that you make with your hands. Yet, do working with your hands is important. That's the earthly work. And God ordained it, and it's good, and it's important, and it's beneficial for us, and it's something we should be about. But what I want to talk about tonight is the spiritual works that we do. We get really hung up because uh, when we work, we get to satisfy our senses. 
get to see it and feel it and touch it and taste it. We get to do all these things. We get to work with other people. And we get really, really hyper-focused in all the work that we're supposed to do. We get hung up on our status. We get hung up on how much money we have. We get hung up on how long our resume is, how much power that we have, how many possessions that we have. And we fail to consider spiritual work. So I want to talk to those tonight who know the Lord and are known by the Lord. And yes, I'll continue to repeat that until hopefully the day that I'm no longer able to. The Bible says it both, both ways. To know the Lord and be known by the Lord. There's work we do with our physical bodies, but there's a spiritual work that God has us to do. And many, many times, I think many of us focus far more on the physical work than the spiritual work. And I think this is something that impacts both the young and the old. My father, who I love dearly, and you all met and like as well, has repeatedly told me that his desire is that I would live a life worthy of the Lord. What's he trying to tell me? He's trying to tell me that his desire is for me to live a spiritually fulfilling life more than one that might be physically fulfilling. He doesn't care if I'm rich or I'm wealthy or if I have a title. What he cares about is whether I do what the Lord wants me to do. And you know, that meant less to me when I was young. It really did. I'll, I'll just, he'd say that, he'd be like, yes, Dad. And I'd be like, no, I want this job. Years later, I think I'm starting to understand this more. Why? Because I'm starting to see the same thing in what I want in my children as well. I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they're famous. But I care if they love the Lord. Yes. And I care that they're obedient to what God has for them to do. And I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Mm. Whatever you do, this is a looser translation, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. There is a certain aspect of life where we find things to do. Many of us are not in careers, if we're still working, that we set out to be. I didn't want to teach, not that I didn't want to, but it wasn't a desire of mine, and it's what I do now. Many of you didn't start out as we were little kids. Everyone comes around and asks you what you want to be when you grew up, and there's like, you know, 12 acceptable answers. You know, it's like doctor, lawyer, fireman, well, maybe not, but police officer. You can tell John Michael I said that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, nurse. But then we get older. We find all these different careers that we do. And that, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, we have to work with our hands. But how often as young children do we think, I want to grow up and serve the Lord? But listen to me, young ones. I don't care how old you are. That is the goal, is to be spiritually working for the Lord. And that means you're going to be doing things for God that don't necessarily involve the work of your hands, but involve the position of your heart. Whatever it is that you find yourself doing, the Bible tells us to do it with all of our might, but it also says to do it unto the Lord. In 
Jesus reminds us in John 6 and 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Maybe this is too much like the sermon I preached on the talents. What has he told you to do? What has he given you to do? Spiritually, I don't mean physically. What has he told you to do spiritually? What is your goal? What are you trying to build toward? Do you even know? I want to look at a few more verses that talk about this. 1 Corinthians 16. I'm sorry, 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I want to start with verse 51 and read it in the chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump... For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall rise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Normally we stop there, don't we? I've read this at funerals and stopped there. But there's another verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of of the Lord, for as so much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, at the conclusion of this great summary that we have in the faith, of this incredible charge that we have to all believers, we are reminded that at some point we will all be changed. Whether we die and go before God or we are called up in the air to meet Him, in the twinkling of an eye we will all put off this body that we have that we learned about last night that we wore about and we will become finally pure and one with God. But until that time we are to do work for Him. Spiritual work for Him. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know the Lord, your labor is not in vain. What does that mean, that, we're gonna, that our labor is not in vain? That means that the littlest thing that you do, that's a spiritual work, you do take that with you. Did y'all know that? Do you know you get rewards in heaven? Have you thought about that? We don't talk about that very often, but it's true. Now, what do you get to do with those rewards and those crowns you get? You get to give them back to him. Brothers and sisters, the point that I'm trying to make today, very poorly, is that we are to be about doing the spiritual things that is the work of the Lord, knowing that someday our return on those investments, if you will, is heavenly. I may never get to see the impact of the work that I've done here, but I know that it's worth it. 
You may never see the impact you have on someone else spiritually. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually for the Lord, but you will get to see it someday. Amen. Your relatives that you've prayed for. Your friends that you've prayed for. Those are important the service that you've done for others, those things are important. And we ought to be about our Father's business, and that is a spiritual work. The work of the Lord. Hebrews describes it slightly different. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, I'll begin with verse 9. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though thus we speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto that end, that you may not be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You see, we again, we are not only commanded, but we are reminded not to sit back and watch other people serve the Lord, but to actually be engaged in serving the Lord. That we are to think about how we can do this and to engage in it, and that there will be a reward for our efforts in this way. Well, how do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. It wouldn't be very fair for me to tell you you should do something and not tell you how to do it. Now, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the time to discuss this, but I want to point out a few things. I've already mentioned one. We need to be praying people. Yes, amen. You want to help somebody? Pray for them. Yes. You want to help them again? Pray again. We have no idea the impact of prayer, but we know that it goes up to God as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And we are to be prayerful people. How often? All the time. We are to pray unselfishly. We are to pray on behalf of other people. We are to intercede on their behalf. And we should be prayerful all the time. I didn't know what all was going on last night. We had one who was seeking the Lord. And boy, was he trying. And after a little while, it became obvious what was going on. And several of you stayed and prayed. I don't think we saw your prayers answered last night. But they weren't without effort and they weren't, won't be without reward. That's what we need to do. You want to change the world? Start praying. Specifically, always, repeatedly, unselfishly. That is a spiritual work that we are able to do. It has nothing to do with our hands, nothing to do with how much money we have, nothing to do with how wealthy we are, but we can do it at all times and always because our God is always listening to us and he tells us to pray. He wants us to pray and talk about modeling how we made the world. What did Christ do all the time? He would steal away and pray. 
I'm just going to go ahead and call myself guilty. We sang a song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, and it was beautiful. When was the last time that I spent an hour in prayer? It's been a while. You want to do something for God? You want to change the world? Start praying. If you're taking notes, here's something else you can do that's a spiritual work. Read this book over and over and over again. Study it. Read some other great men who have spent their lives studying this book and see what they tell you. But don't rely on them. Rely on the Spirit of God to reveal these things to you. You've read this before. Read it again and read it again and read it again. And if that's too much, then memorize it. One of our favorite hymn writers was blind and memorized huge portions of the scriptures. If she can do it, and can't read, can't see, you can do it too. If you want to do work for the Lord, be in the scriptures. If you want to see a church that is changed and growing, then be in the scriptures. If you want to know how to talk to people when you see them at work or at school or on the street, then have a scripture to share with them. Because that is what they need. They need the Spirit of God that comes forth through the living Word of God. Know and read and use your scriptures. Maybe you have a spiritual work of faith. That can be really hard sometimes, can it? To have faith in something. It takes effort. Oh, it's easy to say. It's really hard to do sometimes. Do you have faith in God? Ask yourself. Do you have faith that he can take care of this event in your life? That he can handle the struggles that you're going with? That he can be trusted? Faith is something I think that's active and takes work. Yes. And it can be developed. Another spiritual work that I pondered about today, and I mean this very sincerely, teaching. Teaching borders on physical work. But I'm talking about spiritual teaching. I'm talking about those in here who have positions inside of this church and other churches, and your responsibility is to teach those who are in your classes. That's something you have to put effort into. And that's a work that you can't measure. I've told you about my Sunday school teachers. One of them's going on to be with the Lord. Told you he was a country boy. I mentioned him last night. You know, he got baptized. He used to tell us about getting baptized. <laughs> they had to take hammers and break the ice. But he didn't want to wait. He's a big man. Gravelly voice. But he loved me and I knew it. And he taught me. He taught me well. He taught me deeply. He challenged us as youth, as high school students. It was important to me to see another man who was a believing Christian who would spend time and effort praying for us and teaching us and reading us the scripture and testing us and encouraging us and all of these things. And it changed my life. It was important. My father was the same way. Several other men were the same way. 
If you have an opportunity to teach, it is a spiritual work and you must put your effort into it. And I am so thankful for many of you who have taught my children. I know it's not always easy. I know it's exhausting sometimes. But it's worth it. It's the right thing to do. Another spiritual work, and I won't spend very long on this one. Preaching. That's a work. Spiritual work. I could write the best things. I have people ask me this all the time. I've told you all this. And I don't want to say I love it when they ask me, but I always, it's like, it hurts a little bit, and I laugh a little bit. They're like, where do you get your sermons? Like I buy them from somewhere. People ask me this all the time, all the time. And it actually really breaks my heart because I think that's what they're used to. And I've been to a few churches when I was looking before I found this one. And I go in there and be like, that sounds like the 1989 Reader's Digest Christmas edition. Right? That's not a spiritual work. A spiritual work is being prepared for God to use you, whether you like it or not, in a way, whether you like it or not, to proclaim and rightly divide the word of God to a group of people. And if you want to see things done in this world, then you pray for your preachers. And I'm really not being selfish. Another spiritual work, mercy. Mm. Mercy can be hard, especially when we're the ones who feel offended. Mercy is a spiritual work. You don't have to do anything to give mercy, generally. Mercy is important, though, because mercy is an example. When we give mercy to others, it's an example of what Christ has done for us. Love. I won't spend too much time on this. I just preached a whole sermon on love. Love is a spiritual work. And it's a work. You know, sometimes it's toil. Y'all know people it's really hard to love, don't you? (laughs) Of course we do. But it's something God wants. We're supposed to love each other. I will show you a better way, it says at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's love. Love, love. Brothers and sisters, we are called to love. And I tell you, when you walk in with the love of God and you do a spiritual work by loving someone who doesn't love you or loving someone who didn't know that you were going to love them or loving someone, and many people feel this way today, who think they are unlovable, you have done a spiritual work of God. Another spiritual work you can do is counsel. As we pointed out last week, it's all running together at this point, in my sermon on love, sometimes we have to counsel as incorrect. And you know what? That can be a spiritual work as well. I told you when I first got here that I would call you out when I thought you were wrong and I expected you to do the same for me. That's a spiritual work. That's helpful. That that builds people up. Encouragement. 
This is like the, the one I'm the least good at. Ask my students. <laughs> Encouragement. I think that's a spiritual work too. The Bible talks about that. We're to encourage one another. We're to lift one another up. We're to tell them, good job. John's especially good at this. I don't know if you know that. But you are. And it means a lot to me. Mike, you do it too. Mike has a way. I try to hide it sometimes. Some of y'all, I don't know, maybe I'm not as good at this as, you think, as I think that I am. But Well, there's some Sundays it's rough. And every single time, Mike will be like, you okay? Because Mike knows and encourages me. Frank, you do the same. It's important to have men and women in our lives who are encouragers. So let me try and summarize a few things here real quick. We can spend our entire lives physically working for things. And yes, even using those for the good of the kingdom. We can make a tremendous amount of money and give it to the people who need it. We can give it to church. We can give it to mission work. And some people are gifted that way. But let us not neglect the more weightier things, the important things. And that is the spiritual work that God has given us to do. Because the only way to serve a living God is to do it spiritually. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your power. He doesn't need your position. He doesn't need your possessions. He needs your heart and he needs you to be obedient and he needs you to pray and to use the scriptures and to love and to have faith and to teach and to preach if that's your calling and for mercy and for counsel and wisdom. Those are the things that he values and those are what he wants. And whether you're beginning your life and trying to figure out where you're going, that's what he wants you to do. And you know what? If you do those things, it will take care of itself. Or whether you're getting closer to the other side, let's just be honest, and you might have retired from your physical toil, toil, your labor, your work. You can't retire from your spiritual duty ever, ever. You're always to be loving. You're always to be encouraging. You're always to be praying. You're always to be in the scripture. And again, if we want to see amazing things done in this church and in this community, it starts with the spiritual work, not the physical. John chapter 9. I love this chapter. We're not going to read the whole thing. I like it, I think, because there's a little bit of back and forth between some theoretically uneducated citizens and their elite ruling class who are trying to like trap them by what they're saying. And they're like, we don't know, ask him. And they go back and forth, and it's beautiful. But it starts out this way with Jesus. Verse 1, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Isn't that the way we think about life? Always looking for the physical answers, aren't we? And Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God may be made manifest in him. I must work. The works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. 
For as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Brothers and sisters, when are we supposed to be doing the spiritual works of God? Right now. While we have an opportunity. Because someday is going to come when it's over. My grandmother-in-law isn't doing works anymore, is she? That time has passed. But brothers and sisters, I'm thankful that she worked spiritual works all her life. And I'm thankful that she's enjoying a reward, not because of her labor and her works, but she worked because of the reward that she just received. We should be doing it all the time. We should be looking around. While there is light, who is the light? Jesus Christ is the light. While we have opportunity, we are be doing spiritual works. We must be about our Father's business. James reminds us, faith without works is dead. Now, it's been abused many, many times to mean things it doesn't mean. What it means is that when we experience a change in our lives, it will be manifest and obvious and shown. We will bear fruit, as we learned about recently. We will show these spiritual uh, talents and gifts. We will do the work of God in our lives. And if we don't, we need to ask questions about who we really are and who we really belong to. Amen. And other times, we just need to be encouraged and taught and loved, and corrected, and preached to, you see where I'm going with this? To do the right thing, which is the spiritual works. This kind of coincides with what I thought I was going to preach on a few nights ago, and I didn't get to much, and it's not going to be much tonight either. God doesn't need us to have a lot of money. He doesn't need me to be a great architect. He doesn't need me to be a book writer. He doesn't need me to be able to be a great mechanic. He doesn't need me to be able to lead a business. He needs me to be obedient and fulfill the spiritual works that he has given me to do. That's what he needs. That's what he demands. That's what he uses. We see this over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New if we look closely enough. You think Peter was really good at anything besides fishing? Probably not. Do you think Matthew was good at much besides counting? Apparently not. And look at what God did with him. He doesn't want your physical gifts. He wants your spiritual obedience. One more passage and we'll come to a close. Luke 12. I'll spend just a minute here if you want to turn. Luke 12, verse 15. Luke 12 and 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This 
will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruit and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is not about wealth. It's not about how much you own or whether you have a barn or whether you have crops or whether you have lots of money. What it's about is the position of your heart and your desire to do spiritual works. Let me read this again. I kind of did it once. I'll, I'll, I'm going to emphasize again. You ready? Listen to this. <laughs> and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take time, ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. How many times does this guy say, I, me, my the emphasis was on what? On him and his possessions. If you have been given great possessions, great talents, and great abilities, God bless you and use them physically for the glory of his kingdom, not getting wrapped up in yourself. But brothers and sisters, if you've been given very little, or if you've been given great, the requirement is that we do spiritual good work for him. And if we want to see a changed world, that's what has to happen. If we want to see the gospel go out, it doesn't matter. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need you to go do something. He wants you to do some of these things, but he will do it all without you through his spiritual works. The only question is, will you get to be a part of it? You ever missed a blessing? Does that, does that make sense? Real, real quick, let me tell you a little story. I'm going to try your patience. Years ago, we felt like we should move to a different church. I was preaching, wasn't pastoring. And there was one in particular I felt like I was led to. And one of the prayers that we'd always had together was that Amy and I would feel like we should join together. Well, it was to be a united decision. And I was ready, and she wasn't quite convinced. And I wanted so bad to go up one morning. And join this church. And you know what? I should have. And I didn't. And I waited. But you know what? It kind of made me upset. So like two weeks later, there's another opportunity. Guess who was ready this time? Amy was ready. Guess who was sulking? This guy. Who wouldn't so much as look at her. I just stared straight ahead. And I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do it. And then it was Christmas. And they were out of town for two or three weeks. We both knew we were wrong. And by the time we get back to the church, and by the time we say we want to join, you know, the joy that should have been in that was gone. We missed the blessing. Were we still right to join? Yes. That's what God had told us to do. 
But we missed the great blessing and reward for what should have been had we been obedient when he told us to be obedient. Does that make sense? We must be careful in our lives that we try not to do it, that we try not to miss the blessing is what I'm getting at. When we are obedient to do the spiritual work, God will bless us. Are you being obedient spiritually? Are you loving? Are you praying? Are you reading and in your scriptures? Are you faithfully teaching or preaching if that's what you have the opportunity to do? Are you showing forth mercy? Are you giving good counsel? Are you correcting those who need it? Are you giving encouragement? Many, many people have walked in these doors and said that there's something different about this place. And many of them have also said, this is the way I remember it. That's a beautiful testimony to good spiritual works. We don't have the nicest building. We don't have the nicest anything. If you don't believe me, try using the restrooms. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because the Spirit of God is here, because we are here, and because we strive to do spiritual works. And so if we want to see the church grow, then we need to focus on the spiritual things, not the physical. That comes later, and that can be a miraculous blessing that we never expected. Are you rich toward God? That's what the Scripture says. He that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? You know what? Our world needs it right now. Our world needs believers to be rich to the world. We need to be about our Father's business. We need to be working spiritually for the reward that He and only He can give. We need to remove our selfish nature and we need to focus on Him. We need to leave behind sometimes the physical thing, sometimes entirely, sometimes we just need to make sure we have a proper focus on the physical world and the spiritual world. But we need to be about our Father's business, and we need to be rich toward God. This is a message, as I said, for young and old. Whether you're looking for a future job, or just looking to make it to the next grade, whether you're looking to retire or you've already retired from your physical work, you've never retired from God and you can't and you shouldn't. If you're young and you're looking ahead, grow yourself in these spiritual works. If you've got some experience, grow yourself in these spiritual works and find someone else to help them grow. If we want to see change, this is how change comes. It's through the Spirit and through the work that only he can do.